you start right. to lose the gravity of the fact that you're in battle. And that's how you drift away from being vigilant, having yeah. your eyes open, paying yeah. attention to what's going on, paying attention to the battle. Yeah. You lose strategy because you lose the gravity of the battle. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Hey there. Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. I'm here with Daniel Parks. What's and I'm up? Vicki Kosiorg. And today we're going to talk about what are maybe the three, among the top three strategies a sidewalk team should employ to be effective. Yeah. We've talked a lot about this, about, you know, teams that seem to be really effective. They tend to follow these strategies, teams yeah. that maybe don't see as many results. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are. Right. Sometimes there are facilities that are just harder. Yeah. Oh, reach, absolutely. To reach the win. Yeah. There's only so much strategy you can employ to be effective in ministry. And, of course, the danger of strategy is thinking it's all about strategy and all about, like, you know, things us. that, yeah, all about us, <laughs> the way we right. position ourselves or whatever. Right. Saying just the right thing. And of course, if you guys have listened to this podcast any length of time, you know that there's there's never just the perfect thing to say in every scenario. There are some general principles. And at the end of the day, the results are up to the Lord. Right. But if there are things that we can do, ways that we can position our teams and things like that, that can help us to be more effective then why wouldn't we do those things, right? Exactly. You know, and, as, as and, we're thinking of methodology, yeah. Um, there's a few things, there's a few ways, we're going to get into some of that a little bit, but there's a few ways that we can approach sidewalk ministry. And those ways can can be, if, if you have two ways, for example, and both are biblical, mm-hmm. but one is more effective, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you use the one that's more effective? Exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. And, and we'll we'll get into that. I'll break that down a little bit uh, later on. But we need to be looking at things, of course, not from just a perspective of whether or not it's effective, because there's there that's the trap mm-hmm. of pragmatism, mm-hmm. that it's all about what works. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we're not called just to do what works. We're called to do what honors the Lord. So, right. you know, if we if we fall into the trap of pragmatism, that's a trap of let's compromise the gospel. So. You know, if we discovered somehow that it was more effective to leave the gospel out of the equation um, to save babies or whatever, and we decided, well, we'll go with that because it's more effective. That would be the trap of pragmatism, falling into that trap, neglecting the gospel, which the Bible says is the power of God to salvation. If we leave the gospel out, we're no longer doing ministry. Correct. We're running a business or some yeah. other thing, but we're not doing ministry if we leave the gospel out. So we can't leave the gospel out. Right. But if the gospel is included in what we're doing, if Jesus is at the center of what we're doing, and again, we have choices to do things one of two ways or three ways or whatever, and all of those ways are biblical and centered on the gospel, but one is more effective, we would be fools not to employ the one that's more effective. Exactly. You, you would be, it, it would actually be pride. 
Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. you stuck in your ways. It's the way you're used to doing things, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so we do need to allow the Lord to shake us out of our ways. And sometimes we will pretend that our ways are the way, God's way, and not be able to be shaken from those ways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and therefore, we're robbing ourselves yeah. of fruit that would otherwise be bored. We're robbing God of fruit that would glorify his name. And possibly compromising um, the effectiveness of the ministry. Like we are called not primarily to be effective. We're called primarily to be biblical, but we are called to be effective, to bear fruit. Right, right. And and we kind of developed these ideas out of years of watching sidewalk yeah. teams, watching results, and we're a gospel-focused ministry, always have been. So that has always been primary. But yeah. there are some things we've done that with the gospel as a part of it um, that are less effective than other things we've done with the gospel as as a part of it. Well, I want to mention this, okay, Mm -hmm. because this is a recent conversation that I'm having with myself (laughs) and with others, Mm -hmm. and we've had the conversation as well. Yeah. And we've did podcasts. We've done podcasts about the use of victim images. Right. And if you guys have any questions about where we stand on that, please go back and listen to our podcast. We did it with some folks from CBR, Center for Bioethical Reform, Mm -hmm. who use victim images primarily on college campuses and stuff. And so I'm I'm not going to go over and rehash kind of our philosophy on victim images, except to say that is it biblical to use victim images? Absolutely. Jesus was crucified on a hillside. The Bible says he was marred beyond beyond the form of a man in front of everyone. Would God show graphic images? Yes, he would. Right. But does that mean that if you don't use victim images, you're not doing biblical ministry? No. The Bible does not say when you go out to an abortion clinic, thou shalt use victim images. Right? Right. It gives us the allowance to use the victim images. But if there are scenarios in which I can use victim images and babies can be saved because of that, then, you know, I want to have the option to use those. But if there are scenarios in which it would be more effective for me not to use victim images, and yet I'm still keeping the gospel. Listen, when you're holding up a victim of abortion, you are not preaching the gospel. That's not a gospel thing, right? Right. It could be preparation work for the gospel. Just like the law, we love Ray Comfort. We love his mm-hmm. method of evangelism. Mm-hmm. But when he shares the law, when he shares the fact that we're all under the judgment of God, that's not the gospel, actually. Right. Right. The the Ten Commandments, they are not the gospel. They are the preparation work potentially for the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Um, the gospel is... Jesus Christ died for our sins. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you look at it, Paul lays out, here's the gospel that I preach. You want to know what, what Paul preached as gospel? He lays it out very clearly. He says that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scripture. That's the gospel. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. Right. Now, other things are preparation for the gospel and victim images. I'll just kind of go, go back to that so I don't rabbit trail too much. Um. Victim images can be effective, but also they can be a hindrance. They can really cause people to be angry rather than receptive. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, like, why are we at the abortion center? And I guess you guys who are listening, you'd have to ask yourself, why are you out there? Are you out there just to communicate information? Or are you out there to engage with people going into the abortion center? Right. Because if there are things that you're doing 
that makes your engagements either less or more hostile, then you probably need to change what you're doing. Right, right. And, and I do not mean leaving the gospel out because that's a non-negotiable. But exactly. there's these other things that are sort of negotiable, yeah, I think. Yeah. And so go back to just that victim image um, idea yeah. is, you know, it, and it, it may not be an either or. It could be that maybe there are situations where you can use them, but you uh, you modify yeah. um, how they're used up the street in conjunction with a um, a saved baby. So, um, so being able to verbalize what your goal is out there is really critical because yeah. if your goal is engagement with the people, yeah, there's no doubt that sometimes that victim image is gonna yeah it's gonna affect that. It'll and that's just one operate. example of mm-hmm. you know that I just kind of pulled out off the top of my head. There's other right. examples of the way that you could do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as we're talking about this, because we've been talking, you and I have had some conversations about looking at our teams across the nation, how they're doing. And there's, yeah. Are there some ways that we can help encourage them? Are there some ways, like some kind of general principles that we can help equip them so they're, they're more effective on the sidewalk? Right. So that and they're so, not discouraged themselves. Right, yeah. yeah. And so in a sense, like, are there some how-to things that we can right. help them with, which is right. what we're going to really talk about this. Yeah. And if, if you guys ever watched our training, our 101 Sidewalk training, you'll know we talk about the how is the meat of the training. Like, it's it's really where you want to pay attention. So we're going to talk about some of these how, some of these effective strategies and the how of that. But as we were talking yesterday, one of the things I said to you was that the how a lot of times will work itself out if people have the why. Right. If they understand, because what happens is we begin to drift from the why, mm-hmm. right? So an example of that is if you're in a city where you have pro-abortion people that are out there constantly and they're nagging you, and we have that here in Charlotte, it is so easy to drift as far as your why is concerned, of why you're out there, and then start to to think that you're out there uh, because of the pro boards, you're out there because of the political persuasion of those people. These socialists are trying to take over our country or whatever. And you can drift in your why. Ideologically, they're trying to take our country captive. Mm-hmm. And you can start to think your why and and the motivation for coming out there is to deal with these pro boards. Change their hearts. Change, change their, their hearts. Change their minds or whatever. Right. And right. certainly God can do that. Mm-hmm. And we we certainly want the Lord to do that. But that's not why the Lord called you out there initially, right? Right. right? He didn't call you out there to deal with the pro-aborts. And as a matter of fact, if that's your motivation and that's your focus, then you have drifted away from the original why and you've fallen into their trap. Mm -hmm. That's the trap. And whether they know it or not, the devil certainly knows it. That's the trap that they want you to fall into, that he wants you to fall into. Yes. Is the trap of continually thinking about them, having your mind driven. I mean, if you're away from the sidewalk and you're thinking about the pro boards and how nasty and stuff they are, yeah. probably need to bring it before the Lord. Yeah. Probably yeah. need to let the Lord take that stuff out of your heart and your mind because the reality is, in the eternal scope of things, their activities and stuff, if we really believe that God is the most powerful being ever, <laughs> Their, their activity is pretty irrelevant in the grand scheme of yeah. things, right? Yeah. Remember, you're a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of you. And the activities of evil people that are under control of the devil is, in a sense, irrelevant. Now, I get it. They're annoying, and I get it. They're a distraction, and they cause problems and all that stuff. I'm not trying to minimize that. 
But what I am saying is we do serve an eternal God, and we do need to look to Him. We need to be, and we, we say often, we need to be motivated not by the, the, the horror of abortion, but by the beauty of Jesus. Right. And so I would ask you, if your mind is captivated and distracted, have you lost the why? Mm-hmm. And what is the main why of why we're out there? Yeah, well, my main why is to glorify God, to magnify exactly. His holy name. To that's magnify definitely, the but, Lord. But that's true in in of my general life. Yeah. I would say if I'm going to be totally honest about with the sidewalk, yes, glorify God through intervening and interceding for those unborn babies. Yeah. That's the specific focus. Yeah. I want to glorify Him, but the focus is those unborn right, yeah. babies. Yeah, so... Why is the motivation to glorify God and why does that motivation carry you to the sidewalk? It's because they're murdering babies inside. And I love God and God loves those babies. God has called us to be a good neighbor. God has called us to be a voice for the voiceless. So I am honoring God and magnifying him by how I'm going to deal when I'm out on that sidewalk. Those babies are going to die today. The pro aborts probably are not. I mean, they could. But they probably are not. So that's why my focus is on the immediate crisis. And what I'm called to do is to deal with those unborn children. And I love what you told me. It was very powerful saying, if you give the why, remind people through, and and you said the image of of a a baby, a a victim of abortion, you can bring people back to, oh, yeah, all that other stuff. That pales in comparison to that horrific picture, yeah. and that's why we're there. And what I love about that is so many of these things we're going to go over. I'm like the anointed nagger of of our ministry, right? Yeah, very yeah. skilled at nagging. Uh, you have but an anointing thing is, in nagging. I'm nagging all the time because we drift away from these basic how-tos. Yeah. And it struck me when you said, return people to the philosophy of why they're doing what they're doing. And those things I have to nag about might just fall away because people no longer want to be ineffective yeah. in that major focus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get the why right yeah. and the how, that that will fall into place oftentimes. Right. The reason why we drift away from, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to jump into the how part just yet. Okay. But the reason why we drift away from some of these kind of common how-to things mm-hmm. is because we lose the why. Yeah. We lose why we're out there. We yeah. lose the gravity of what's happening at that place. And so, for example... One of the one of the most destri- detrimental things that can happen in the ministry on the sidewalk is that we clump together and chit chat while we're out there. Right. I mean, it's it's it kind of minor. All the time. Yeah, it in happens the all the time. I yeah. see it ev- probably every day. I'm yeah. out there. Right. To, at, sometimes very limited. Sometimes we catch ourselves. But I'm telling you, teams, if you're listening, you're probably doing this. Yeah. And you need to pay attention because this is detrimental to our effectiveness. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story about that. Very briefly, I was out there, I won't say what day, and I saw a group of our counselors clumped together, and I was at another portion of the sidewalk um, and saw a woman, a clump of three of them, walk in the door, and I'm waiting, I was far away, and no one saw them because they were all talking with each other because they're all so wonderful. We do have wonderful people, I get it, but they were missed uh, because of clumping and chit-chat. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it happens a lot. And and how does it get there? And, and again, I, I don't like to come down heavy. And I will say, and I know you'll say too, I'll fall in victim of that. Exactly. I'm out there. Yep. I'll chit chat sometimes. Yep. I get it. Um, but how do we allow ourselves to to begin just to have chit chat, sort of shooting the breeze conversations out right. there? Is because we've forgotten that babies are dying inside of right. that place. Right. So if we bring ourselves back and remind ourselves of the why, yeah, then we can keep ourselves from doing that. Another thing that is a reality that we deal with. We want to glorify God. We want to see babies saved. But also we can't forget that there are people, there are women walking into that place who are going to kill their child. They're going to become captivated by the sin of abortion. Mm -hmm. And if they don't repent, they're going to end up in hell. Yeah. And the men going in that are bringing their girlfriends, I mean, think about that. These men are, some of them pressuring the girlfriend to have an abortion, How's it going to be for them when they stand before God? Right. And what if no one ever gives them an opportunity to hear the gospel and to yeah. turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus? They're going to end up in hell for eternity. Or ever helps them to even recognize it was yeah. a sin, that there was a, that there's anything to repent yeah. of. It, so we're dealing yeah. with eternal things. Yeah. And we've been given an eternal message yeah. that can change hearts and change lives. And so we can't lose the gravity that babies are dying, that people are going to end up in hell. Yeah. And I think about the workers, too. You know, you know, they're not our tr- primary focus, but we do mm-hmm. call out to the workers, and we've seen many of them quit. We've even some seen some of them come to the Lord. Right. Yeah. If we lose our focus, if we lose our why, if we get distracted out there, if we're just out there to be out there mm-hmm. because it's part of our weekly rhythm yeah. rather than we're out there because they're killing children and people are going to end up in hell, then we've lost our why, and we need to get back to it. And listen, I will say, and I know you'll agree, Vicki, Mm-hmm. That this this message preachers say this message I'm preaching it to me as much as I am to yep. you. Yep. There's a sense in which that's true. Yeah, um, I'm preaching that to myself as much yeah. as I am to you. So yeah, there's, we, we there's all a, fall into this. We all fall into right. these traps. Yeah. That's why we're talking about them. Yeah, exactly. And the motivation, the why for us is we want to see you guys see babies <laughs> be saved and people come to the Lord. We want right. you guys to be as effective as possible. You are listening to the podcast, so. Then let's jump into some of the how. I think we've laid the foundation for the why here and reminded people of the why that we're out there. I think we've touched on that enough. But what are some of the just practical things that we can do and be aware of that would make us more effective on the sidewalk? Yeah. And one of the first things is strategic placement of, of your teams. How many team members do you have? And where are the best places to place them? Yeah. We've already kind of given away one of them. Don't clump. Yeah. So we, we're going to want to spread out the teams. Yeah. So you find, uh, okay, first of all, is it vehicle traffic or is it walk-ups? Yeah. What is it mostly? You know, in New York City, it's mostly, I guess, walk-ups. People yeah. are walking down the street right. coming from a subway. Yeah. Here in Some Charlotte, of our other cities are, are like that as well. So, yeah. 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 Uh, important to know. Yeah. And then analyze. I know you use Google Maps yeah. and you do an overhead view and, and you we, you find the points at which people can come from. And if depending on how many team members you have, you you really prioritize. You say, if I only have one team member, here's where he's going to go, though we never recommend yeah. just one team member. But if I only have one in it, that's usually the place right by the door, right. no matter where, what facility you're at. Yeah. That last moment, get them. Yeah, it could be that or it could be by the driveway, like in Charlotte. Right, yeah. At Latrobe, it's that driveway. Yeah. 
Like that's priority position number one. So and everybody decide on that. Everybody team team leads or whatever. Be yeah. sure that you are clear. If there's only one member, this is where that member has to go. Yeah, yeah. So strategic placement. Getting it'll keep you from clumping up and being in chit chat mode and being lighthearted about the thing if you spread out right. and you understand why you're out there. Right. This is this is a battle, not between people, but between light and darkness. Yeah. And I was, uh, as we were talking yesterday, just kind of this picture came to mind, you know, asking the question, how do we lose the why so that we don't employ the how? How do we kind of lose our strategy and just let everything fall apart and just go out there and just be out there to be out there? Uh, again, we lose the why, but it's also, it becomes, it becomes like a common scenario. So the picture I had was if you're in battle, if you've got soldiers that have been in battle for a long time, you know, when you're first out there in battle and you guys know if, you know, you've been on the sidewalk for a while, if you can remember back the first time you went out there, you were aware of the battle right. and it was an uncommon scenario for you. And so it's yeah. like a, a soldier being in battle. There's bullets whizzing by and it's a big deal, right? There's yeah. a battle raging and they're alert. They're vigilant. They're aware of what's going on. You've been in battle for a long time, four or five years. The bullet's whizzing by your head. It's a common thing. You're just used just to it, happens, right? right? And so you kind of loosen up and you start, you know, mm -hmm. just chatting with your battle buddies or whatever. You get on the walkie-talkie. I'm giving an analogy here. <laughs> and you're talking to, you know, to the guy back at the mess hall or whatever. You start right. to lose the gravity of the fact that you're in battle. And that's how you drift away from being vigilant, having yeah. your eyes open, paying yeah. attention to what's going on, paying attention to the battle. Yeah. You lose strategy because you lose the gravity of the battle. Right. And so yeah. um, as we're sharing these practical things, I think more than anything, this this whole theme of why we're out there, the theme that you know, we're in a battle, not between human beings and us, but between principalities and powers. We know the scripture, right? Ephesians yeah. chapter yeah. six, right? Sometimes I would visualize the the demons on the rooftop of, yeah. uh, or on the shoulders of the women as as they're coming in, because it helps me to remember that. Yeah. Or, or some counselors have told me they visualize the baby in the womb and the yeah. fight that that baby's going to have. Um, I, I think those are all good. Uh, yeah, any, anything that keeps you focused on the fact that this is truly a, a war between good and evil and that yeah. baby's going to die if someone doesn't rescue that baby. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing that we have in how is strategic placement, yeah. placing your team in strategic spots, not just being out there right. and all standing together. And that's the next thing. And I'm telling you, I can't stress this. We can't stress this enough. Yeah. Being clumped up into a group, not only does it make it more intimidating because people aren't going to stop for a group of people like they would stop for an individual. Right. If you're handing out literature and there are four people there in one group and they're all handing out literature, they're all trying to get you to stop, you're not going to stop, quite likely. You're the enemy to them yeah. and you're an enemy in force. Honestly, the smaller the teams are, quite often the more literature yeah. that I personally hand out. Yeah. Yeah, that can be the case. Yeah. Uh, we do, of course, encourage, I mean, we're, we're a ministry that encourages people come out in big groups to pray. Right. So there is a balance. And we know that the more people that come out there to pray, the less people show up for abortions. But there is a balance and there's a way to st strategically do that. Like for the right. prayer walks here in Charlotte, for example, the prayer walkers are across the street. We're, yeah. um, our sidewalk teams are on the same side of the street as the abortion center. That's a, that's strategic. Right. We don't want all the prayer walkers there on that side. Yeah. But we do know that babies are saved because people keep driving. They see the prayer walkers yeah. there, and, and that's yeah. effective. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, especially if you've got foot traffic, I would say. But vehicular traffic, too. If you've got foot tra- traffic, people walking up, and you've got a group of people that are together, people are less likely. Women are going to be less likely to engage with that group. Right, right. Than they would with, with one person. Yeah, and to take that a step further, if a woman starts talking to one of the counselors, a mom coming in, then everybody tends to want to be in on that action and clump yep. together. We see that all the time. And that is another thing you don't do. Don't right. do. Leave yep. that person in that, developing that very tenuous relationship alone unless she specifically calls for help. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you've got you know a situation like ours, for example, if someone yeah. stops for me, I'm well equipped. I've done it long enough. I can handle a conversation with a man or woman or whoever. Right. But there are some points where it gets into the conversation, where it gets deep with the woman. And I think it'd be more effective for another woman to be talking to her. And I'll, I'll wave you over. But I do not want, if I'm talking to somebody, for you just to come over and start butting into the conversation. Yeah. And if I'm doing sidewalk counseling, I'm doing it on the sidewalk, and it's not a, ve- not a vehicle that's stopped, but it's a person I'm talking to. If you come up and start talking into the situation when I didn't invite you, I'm not going to be very happy with you. Actually. Well, not only are you not going to be happy, but if you're like me, you you are going to find your all that hard work derailed. Yeah. Almost always it derails the conversation. Yeah. So we, we need to be all aware of that. We all do it. I do it. We all do it. We're all so excited, especially if there's been a long period of no action. Right. Don't, don't enter a conversation uninvited. It, it is almost always better if it's just one-on-one. Yeah. Almost always. Yes. Realizing that the situations that we're dealing with are volatile situations. The women that we're talking to are vulnerable people. They've been lied to by the devil and other people, and they don't really want to share all that's going on anyway. And so, again, you got to imagine a young lady who's scared, who's finally opening up to one person. Here comes another person along and then another person along. And it just gets to be too much. And I've seen conversations shut down because right, of that stuff. Right. It's, it's kind of like the picture of, um, I used to go fishing a lot. Uh-huh. Okay. And, um, you know, if you're at a pond and you're fishing, you got your pole in the water, nobody's getting a bite. You know, there's several people around the pond. And then you, all of a sudden, you get a bite. Yeah. What happens? No one else is getting a bite. Everybody comes to your side of the pond and they want to put their pole in where you've got yours in. And all the fish run away, right? And the fish run away. Yeah. (laughs) And they swim away. They don't run. Well, exactly. They (laughs) they swim away. So that's something to be aware of, guys. Now, can God use situations where three or four people are ministering to one woman? Yeah. He he can use all kinds of stuff. But he just can because he can use a donkey as you love to say. Exactly. He can use a donkey, but we don't take donkeys with us on the sidewalk, <laughs> do no. we? Maybe we should. Maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe that's another podcast for another day. My point is just because God would use something and just because God has used something in the past doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way to do things. Yeah. yeah. And so, um we're speaking we're not speaking, understand, guys, from just a theoretical position, okay? We're speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. We've experienced these things. We've seen these things over a course of years. But, of course, we don't have it all figured out either. So I would say I'm correctable in this matter. If you can convince me that it's more effective to have four people clump together in a group to reach one woman going into the abortion center, then I'll hear you out. But I'm going to tell you from experience, 
it, it's not more effective. It's more effective for you just to engage one-on-one with somebody. Right. And then if you need somebody additional come in, hey, would you come over here for a second? You know, you can call them over. Right. And the other side of that is if four people are clumping to that one, well, what about all the other women entering? And that's you're, an important they're, thing they're to gonna lose. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to have someone interceding for them. I will tell you, sharing the gospel, which is what we do on our mobile ultrasound unit here on the Help Monroe mobile ultrasound unit. And when... I used to have the nurses and maybe even someone else on board all trying to share the gospel. It was a mess. Yeah. But they have since, we've kind of gravitated to, at least when I'm on, I share the gospel alone. They usually disappear. And it it takes that person that I'm sharing with out of feeling like she is um, being observed yeah. so that she's much less self-conscious. She's. It just seems like there are more salvations when... Um, when I'm able to to follow yeah. my train of thought one on one in that situation, yeah, I, I, I want to reiterate that point too because yeah. if you're out there on the sidewalk, let's say you know you, at Latrobe for example, yeah, and someone pulls into the parking lot and they stop to take information, and one of our counselors is is engaging with them, and then you got two other counselors that want to come and engage also, yeah. And they pull away from calling out. Then you've got a woman that maybe is already in the parking lot in her car walking to the door. And she's not getting addressed because the other two counselors, besides the one that's already engaging, are distracted with that conversation. Let that person have the conversation. What you have to say is important, I'm sure. But trust that the Lord can use that person as well. Unless... I would say if it's a brand new person, then maybe stand by and listen in or whatever and interject. We we know that just yeah. practically. If they're brand new and they need some help, obviously. Sure, an experienced person should be near them in that case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we don't want everyone dropping their pole in the water when there's other fish that could be caught in other places in the pond, you know? And just a side point, if you are someone who is engaging with a pro-abortion person and someone then near you, one of your fellow counselors begins to engage with a woman, really take that conversation somewhere else with that pro-abortion person. I have been so distracted by the, um, how loud it can get sometimes when, when someone else is addressing other people. So be really careful about that. You need to be quiet in that discussion. If there's a nearby discussion with the mom, because again, the mom, the mom is our focus. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up with this final effective strategy. We had three here. The first yeah. is strategic placement of your team. The second is don't clump up together. Right. And the third is your first impressions. Yeah. By this, what we mean is, and what do they say? What's the thing? The first you impressions. You only have one chance to make your first impression, yeah. I think. is Something, how, like, something that, like that. Right. <laughs> but what we mean by that is when someone's pulling into the parking lot, What's the first impression they have of you? Is it one of like angry, wagging the finger, don't go in there and murder your baby? Or when someone's walking up the sidewalk and they're coming to the abortion center, is the first impression they're getting is, they murder babies in there. Don't go murder your baby. Or is the first impression um, inviting them to have a conversation with you? And you have to ask yourself, why am I out there? We talked about that earlier, right? Mm -hmm. But are you out there just to deliver information? Did God call you out there just to deliver information? We talked before about the difference. If you guys, again, listen to the training, the 101 training, watch the training, you'll know that I kind of give this contrast between two types of ministry that can happen at an abortion center. Mm -hmm. One is the prophetic ministry. 
The prophet, he's just there to deliver the mail. Think of it like street preachers. That's my tendency anyway. That's yeah. that's my background, street preacher. On the corner, delivering the mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll engage with people if they come and talk to you, but if they don't come and talk, you're just there to deliver the mail anyway, right? right? Yeah. So that ministry can happen at the abortion center, and I've seen God use that, and I'm not trying to marginalize and minimize that ministry. But the ministry of the evangelist, and I don't mean to say the prophetic voice isn't evangelistic. It is. They're sharing the gospel, too. Praise mm-hmm. God for that. Mm-hmm. But the ministry of the evangelist and, and, and the story that I kind of base this on is the story of Philip the evangelist mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 8, I think it is, uh, where Philip the evangelist encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. You guys know the story, right? Not only is he there delivering information, but he's actually helping the Ethiopian eunuch process the information. He's, right. He yeah. gets up in the chariot, yeah. right? She explains to him what he's reading in the scroll of Isaiah. It's a whole lot more relational. It's more relational. Mm-hmm. So is our calling as sidewalk counselors, sidewalk outreach, volunteers, whatever, just to deliver information? Are we out there just to deliver information? Um, I would say no. We're not out there just to convey information, but to give an invitation, Right. Yeah. Or to start a conversation. Right. That kind of rhymes. Right. Well, not out there just to deliver information, yeah. but to start a conversation. Yeah. So rather than the first impression being, don't go in there and murder your child, what if it was the three talking points? Mama, your baby is precious. We have help for you. Please come over and talk with me. Yeah. Probably yeah. every sentence that I give, um, as far as like my initial first impression sentence to a woman walking into the abortion center is going to end with an invitation. So I might touch the three talking points all in kind of one couple of second spiel, so to speak. But I'm almost always going to end it with, please come over and talk with us. I want to give an invitation, not just deliver information. Yeah. Yeah. Please let us help you is often what I will say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that does tie into the signage that we use. Now, again, our philosophy on victim images is that God uses them. Mm-hmm. I think it's biblical to use them. I think you can use them. Um, I do think if you're going to use them, uh, at least in my experience, it's good to use them in a balance. If you're going to show a victim of abortion, right beside that needs to be a baby that was saved from abortion. I set before you this day life and death, blessing and mm-hmm. cursing. Mm-hmm. also think it's good to get those away from the areas of engagement because the interactions you have when they're close to the areas of engagement are far more hostile. Yeah. And you'll have far less interactions. And so, um, because because of that first impression thing, like yeah. what's the first thing they're seeing? People that are inviting them to come and talk, to receive information, to engage in a conversation, or people who are just there to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. For example, there's a bus that drives around that um, is covered with um, scripture. And one of the scripture, there's all kinds of pictures of hell. And um, you're going to hell if you murder your baby, I think is on there. And um, when whenever I see that, I, you know, I get why they do what they do, but I always shudder because it always causes in greater anger out there, yeah. less interaction, less opportunity to hopefully have some mom decide to come talk with me. Let me help her yeah. and, and save her baby. So, um, yeah, the, that first impression, I think my bias for sure is it needs to be inviting. It needs to be loving. It needs to be helping, desiring to help compassionate and leave the harder truths for down the road. Yeah. If 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 they'll come and talk with you, you'll you'll be able to get to those. Yeah. But you may never get a second chance to get to those if you've scared 
away because your first her first impression is you're judgmental, you're condemning, you hate me, you're angry, yeah. and I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those first impressions do. Um, well, like we say, your tone sets the tone. So the yeah. first impression yeah. does set the tone for the conversation. It does right. help you to build a relationship because that's what you're doing in a sense. You're, you're, it's relationship building. You're trying to build trust with them and that little bit of time that you have. Yeah. And so, yeah, the things that you say, even the tone that you come across in right. can mean a lot. The no. tone and the words you use, and I, I do want to make this point. I know we're short on time, so we're not. We don't have many more points left. But the words, be careful. If you can use a word that is less inflammatory and still truthful, I would always err on that side, yeah. at least at the beginning. Murder's an inflammatory term. Taking the life of your baby means the same thing, but it just is less inflammatory and angry sounding. Yeah. And so I would really encourage people to really think about, think carefully about those inflammatory words that you yeah. use. Yeah, no doubt about it. Is abortion yeah. murder? Yes. Yes. Is it is it okay? Is it biblical to say, don't murder your baby? Yeah, I, I say that. I yep. have said that. Is it going to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth? Probably not. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. And is it going to be the second thing? Probably not. Yeah. If you've got It'll 15, be along. Yeah. If you have 15 seconds, you'd my my recommendation from what I have seen where we get the most engagement, the most babies saved, the most women coming to the Lord is those first 15 seconds are spent pleading and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope this podcast was equipping. Maybe it challenged you guys. Maybe it offended you. Maybe we said some things that offend you. We 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 glory in offending people. We wouldn't That's, be doing our job if we didn't yes. offend someone. So um, if you were offended, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me, Daniel at lovelife.org. You reach her, Vicky at lovelife.org. Matter of fact, go to her first. If you're offended, you have to set us straight. <laughs> Let Vicky deal with it. Um, no, I, I trust that we encourage you guys, that we challenge you guys. Um, but hey, maybe there's some point of clarification that you could bring. Please reach out to us. Maybe there's other subjects that you would like for us to cover, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you